Hello everybody and welcome into episode number 211 of the Bible 2021 podcast. We are reading Luke chapter 24 today and the title of this episode is Undramatic, Unembellished, and Completely Reliable. How we can reasonably believe in the resurrection of Jesus. And I kind of highlight that title because it's my favorite title of the last few weeks. Our goal on this podcast is to encourage you in daily Bible reading and daily Bible obeying. And you can jump in anytime and join with us without having to go and download back episodes, but feel free to do that if you want to. I want to encourage you to share the show with a friend and get them involved in daily Bible reading and daily Bible obeying. And you can do that by our website, Bible2021.com, which has a way to subscribe to the show that's very obvious and also show notes, a transcript and a contact page. Can you hear the sound of my hands gleefully rubbing together? Well, I'm pumped because the resurrection of Jesus is like my very favorite thing to talk about in all of the Bible. And today's chapter is about the resurrection. The only sad thing about today is that it's our last day for this year of reading the Gospel of Luke. And look, this past month as we've read through, look, man, it's been awesome for me. I've preached on it. Uh, the church has heard about it. it I've been inspired and encouraged and challenged by every chapter. So Luke is a great writer, probably the best Greek writer in the New Testament, according to genuine Greek scholars, of which I am not. Luke is also a very precise historian that faithfully records details and doesn't exaggerate or add drama or flair or whatever to that which is already perfectly seasoned. Luke just strikes me as rock solid and reliable, and many of the historical details that Luke records have been validated by archaeology, even some of those details that initially appear to be false or unverifiable. All four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, record the resurrection of Jesus, which, if it really happened, is the single most important and momentous event in all of history. Now, a skeptic might rightly ask, but hey, how do you know that it really happened? Isn't it just a religious story? Well, it is an amazing story and all, but how? It's a good question. How can we reasonably believe in the return to life of a dead man when all of modern science tells us that such a thing simply isn't possible? Well, I think that's a great and fair question. And look, I hope you don't get angry or bristle or hostile or rude when you are asked questions by skeptics, doubters, seekers, and unbelievers. We're commanded scripturally to be ready for such questions and for followers of Jesus and to always be able to give an answer. In fact, 1 Peter 3.15 says, always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. And I want to really point you to that last part. There should be neither snark or sarcasm or pride or anger or any negative emotion when we are questioned or challenged by unbelievers of any stripe. Our answer must always be given with gentleness and respect. Now, I will say it's simply not possible to prove beyond a shadow of a doubt that Jesus rose from the dead. At least, I don't know how to prove such a thing, but I can give you at least 20 reasons why I believe it is reasonable and rational and philosophically sound to believe Jesus rose from the dead. And actually, a couple of years ago, I wrote a book on it. And if you want to check out that book, you can go to Amazon and search for Easter Fact or Fiction 
That's Easter, the holiday, E-A-S-T-E-R, fact or fiction on Amazon. Or if you want to just find a link to it, it's on today's episode show notes at Bible2021.com. You can go get that book if you like, but uh, we're going to read some of it today. So uh, hang on and, and you'll at least get a taste of it. And I want to give you one of the reasons why I believe Jesus rationally, really factually, historically rose from the dead. I believe it's reasonable to believe that because the gospel accounts of his resurrection do not embellish or dramatize even something amazing like the ascension of Jesus into heaven which we're going to read about today, it's treated by Luke with a reliable lack of pizzazz. If a modern writer had fabricated the story about Jesus' resurrection, it would have had something like, uh, after Jesus met with the disciples, he would have flown off and utterly wiped the floor with Pilate and Herod, maybe even Caesar over in Rome. It would have been a blaze of glory and revenge, and every bad guy would have learned their lesson the hard way. When it was all said and done, Jesus would have rocketed back up to heaven with an amazing display of light and sound and music, and maybe the tagline would be, Jesus is back, and this time it's personal. Well, that's what would have happened if the resurrection of Jesus had been mythically embellished or fabricated or exaggerated or invented from whole cloth. There would have been more drama. There would have been more comeuppance for the bad guys in probably a lot more adoration for Jesus. Instead, once Jesus came back from the dead, he ate some fish, a boiled fish, like, ugh. He had a discussion with Peter about John. He broke bread with Cleopas and another guy walking on the Emmaus Road. Other than the coming back from the dead part, it's all kind of mundane, right? Even the ascension into heaven is downplayed in the Gospels and Acts. So think about it. Like at the end of Luke, Jesus floats up into heaven. How amazing must that have been to see? And yet Luke, who describes the ascension in the greatest detail of all the gospel writers, merely says, while he was blessing them, he left them and was carried up into heaven. After worshiping him, they returned to Jerusalem with great joy. Matthew and John don't even write about the ascension. And when Luke Luke revisits it in the book of Acts, all he adds is like a small little detail about the disciples' view of Jesus being blocked by a cloud and the appearance of two guys who probably are angels in white clothes who chide the disciples for looking up at the sky. Any writer, even a mediocre one like me, could have made that scene sound so much more amazing and could have done so really without embellishing or exaggerating a whole lot and yet they didn't. The drama was kept to an absolute minimum. I propose that this is a signifier of real historical testimony and the trustworthiness and sobriety of the gospel writers. They didn't have to add zing to the story. They didn't have to stir up drama. They just told it like it happened. And even, you know, even you could argue they sort of downplayed some of the more amazing things. Well, does that prove Jesus rose from the dead? Maybe not, but I guarantee you that's a strong reason to believe that Matthew, John, Mark, and especially Luke are really accurate representations of history. Well, let's go read our chapter. 
And again, I apologize for my voice. I've had a sinus infection that's non-COVID. I've been tested twice, but had a sinus infection the last couple of days, and I realized I sound a bit like a frog. I apologize. Luke chapter 24, verse 1. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came to the tomb, bringing the spices they had prepared. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. They went in, but did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, suddenly two men stood by them in dazzling clothes. So the women were terrified and bowed down to the ground. Why are you looking for the living among the dead? asked the men. He's not here, but he is risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee, saying, It is necessary that the Son of Man be betrayed into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and rise on the third day? And they remembered his words. Returning from the tomb, they reported all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other women with them were telling the apostles these things, but these words seemed like nonsense to them, and they did not believe the women. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb, and when he stooped to look in, he saw only the linen cloth, so he went away amazed at what had happened. Now that same day, two of them were on their way to a village called Emmaus, which was about seven miles from Jerusalem. Together, they were discussing everything that had taken place, and while they were discussing and arguing, Jesus himself came near and began to walk among them. They were prevented from recognizing him. Then he asked them, What is this dispute that you're having with each other as you're walking? And they stopped walking and looked discouraged. The one named Cleopas answered him, Are you the only visitor in Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that happened in these days? What things? he asked them. So they said to him, The things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, powerful in action and speech before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him, but we were hoping that he was the one who was about to redeem Israel. Besides all this, it's the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women from our group astounded us. They arrived early at the tomb, and when they didn't find his body, they came and reported that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they didn't see him. And he said to them, How foolish you are! How slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken! Wasn't it necessary for the Messiah to suffer these things and enter into his glory? Then, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, He interpreted for them the things concerning himself and all the scriptures. They came near the village where they were going, and he gave the impression that he was going farther. But they urged him, stay with us, because it's almost evening and the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. It was as he reclined at the table with them that he took the bread, blessed it, and broke it and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, but he disappeared from their sight. They said to each other, Weren't our hearts burning within us while he was talking with us on the road and explaining the scriptures to us? That very hour they got up and returned to Jerusalem. They found the eleven and those with them gathered together who said, The Lord has truly been raised and has appeared to Simon. Then they began to describe what had happened on the road and how he was made known to them in the breaking of the bread. As they were saying these things, he himself stood in their midst and he said to them, Peace to you. But they were startled and terrified and thought they were seeing a ghost. Why are you troubled? He asked them. Why do doubts arise in your hearts? Look at my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see, because a ghost does not have flesh and bones as you can see I have. Having said this, he showed them his hands and feet. But while they were still amazed and in disbelief because of their joy, he asked them, Do you have anything here to eat? 
So they gave him a piece of boiled fish and he took it and ate it in their presence. And he told them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. He also said to them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead the third day and repentance for forgiveness of sins will be proclaimed in his name to all the nations beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things, and look, I'm sending you what my father promised. As for you, stay in the city until you are empowered from on high. Then he led them out to the vicinity of Bethany, and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. And while he was blessing them, he left them and was carried up into heaven. After worshiping him, they returned to Jerusalem with great joy, and they were continually in the temple praising God. And that's how the Gospel of Luke ends. Jesus rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven like flying and stuff. Does Luke make a big deal out of it? No, he hardly talks about it. It's astounding. Again, it just seems so reliable and trustworthy to me. Let's close, as I fully lose my voice, with the verse of the month for July. It is Luke chapter 6, 47 through 48. Jesus says, I will show you what someone is like who comes to me, hears my words and acts on them. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. When the flood came, the river crashed against that house and couldn't shake it because it was well built. Amen. And may our lives be well built as well because they are built on the foundation of the teaching of Jesus. Good day, friends, and Godspeed.